Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. White privilege is just an acknowledgement that our world is uneven. We live in a country that's unequal. All human beings share solidarity. All of us are made in God's image equally and therefore worthy of dignity. We're all ruined and rebellious against God and therefore calls us solidarity in sin. And we all need the same Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Revival, is it breaking out? That is the question. Let's see if we can find an answer courtesy of Anointed. No, I'm sorry. Joe Beakey is the fellow that we are going to turn to to understand uh, biblically, historically, what is revival courtesy of Asbury University. And the group anointed. Jimmy, do you remember those guys? I do not. They could sing like nobody's business. Uh. This, was, this was late 90s stuff. I actually saw them in concert. Freel, we really didn't ask. <laughs> they were on the Big Voice Tour with uh, uh, Crystal Lewis, remember that name? And Brian Duncan, whose voice was unbelievable. Do you remember this guy? I, I do not. Brian Duncan, I'm it's, telling well, you. It sounds familiar. He just was an absolute whaler, and they did something called the Big Voice Tour. And, yeah, he actually had a pretty big voice. What a what a providential moment. I have it queued up. Back when people could sing. But enough of Brian Duncan. Let's get to Joel Beakey, who is a Presbyterian. I don't think anointed or Joel or Brian Duncan, are Presbyterians, but Joel Beakey most certainly is. He delivered a presentation before the Asbury Revival, so-called, took place. Now, this is their eighth or ninth revival that was apparently scheduled at the university. Jimmy, is it true that the Asbury Revival is going to be scheduled for closing soon? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, this week, I think. God's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> The spirit is moving on because yeah. we're shutting this down. <laughs> People are asking the question, what is going on there? Kids are worshiping hours and hours on end, a constant presence in the chapel. As best we can tell, there is very little preaching. There is very little gospel. Are kids being revived? And I think the answer is found in the definition of revival. What does it mean to be revived? I think it can be an individual reviving where you hear truth. God doesn't just drop a mystical bomb on you and make you feel all warm and fuzzy. No, it comes through truth where you are encouraged. For instance, the sermon that we heard on Sunday. Oh, man, Scylla, if you didn't believe in the elegance of the Bible that this thing makes so much sense. When you just read the whole shebang, it's like, oh, wow, this is, this is coherent. This is, this is 
thematic all the way throughout. Here's another theme. There's all kinds of themes in the Bible, but here's one for you. Temple. It started with the tabernacle in the wilderness. And when it was done, when it was completed, what happened? The Spirit of God, God himself, his presence descended on that place as if you will, if you will, it was a footstool for him, kind of a touch point with the earth where his glory fell. Then David, who desired to build a permanent tabernacle, not allowed to because he had blood on his hands, his son Solomon built a magnificent temple. And what happened as soon as they were done? God's presence fell on the temple. Now, that place got trashed. There was now going to be a second temple, and the people who were alive during the first temple saw the second temple and were a little bit bummed because it wasn't nearly as magnificent. But there's an interesting detail that is missing in the rebuilding of the temple round two. There's no description that God's presence fell on that place. What happened? Where, what, 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 what happened to that temple and God's presence? Well, that takes you to John chapter 1. Jesus tabernacled. He tented among us. God, if you will, his presence was in Jesus Christ, the God-man who dwelt among us. Hold on. Ain't done yet. What does 1 Peter 2 tell us? Who are you? Who are you? You are the temple. And by the way, it's a y'all in 1 Peter 2. You are individually a temple of God. God's presence on earth is found not in a building in Jerusalem, in you, the temple of God. And when we assemble together, all y'all, we are a grand temple of God. That's who we are. We are the one that is manifesting God's presence on earth by acting like him, serving him, loving one another, defending truth. That's that's what we get to do. That's our job. That's our role. That is what we have been made. We have been selected as a brick. You know what a brick does when it's not a part of a building? Nothing. Maybe. You could use it as a doorstop. Maybe if you are as violently angry at your toaster as I currently am, because the wires are burning out again. What does it take to make a decent toaster? Huh? Huh? General Electric, what does it take to make a decent toaster? Same thing it takes to make a decent oven. But I digress for a moment. A brick means nothing. But together, you all are the temple of God. Whoa. Now, that will revive you. In other words, it should, through the cognitive process, bring about a heart change, a warming, a stirring. But here's where we need to be careful. And that is that we don't seek these mountaintop experiences to stay on the mountaintop. We're going to be releasing a video on this today about what we are observing happening at the Asbury Revival. But we want to be careful about our own feelings about it. We all do. We need to be careful about this. Remember, 1 Thessalonians, we don't want to quench the spirit, but we want to test all prophecies. But I also want to test my heart. Ask yourself the question, if you got it, and I'm just, believe me, this this is not, 
some sort of condemnation about why you were potentially excited to hear about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Asbury University? Because we should be excited if that happens. We should be genuinely excited. I don't think you need to go there to feel it. We just hear about it cognitively, and it should cause us to go, God's still working. But please note, um, that's not God's normative practice. He does most of his work with us, frankly, in the valleys, not on the mountaintops. Just the same, we might have a tendency to want that, ah, that feeling again. You've lost that love and feeling, and now it's gone. Gone, gone, and you think you can't go on. Be careful that you aren't looking to Asbury to be revived. Now, if it's genuinely a pouring out of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be encouraged, but I think that we all need to examine our hearts and ask, so why is it that I'm so enthused about that? Specifically, what is the Bible not doing for me that that event at Asbury University is? Because we should be getting revived regularly through the preaching of the word, through fellowship, through communion. I was talking to some folks at church on Sunday after the service. And everybody's wondering, everybody's talking about this thing. What's going on there? Is this an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And my encouragement was, because it was about 12.15 now. Church had wrapped up about 12.15, 12.20, maybe something like that. And there's still, I would say the majority of people are still there talking and it's sweet and you can, you can sense it's like, oh, this is a good room to be in. The Holy Spirit is working right there in my church and my church is not exclusive. That's going on in your church. People are getting saved. People are growing. People are dropping bad habits. Marriages are being restored. People's lives are getting straightened out through the regular participation in the local church. There's the Spirit. There's the Spirit. There's the Spirit. There's the Spirit. It's everywhere. Look and be encouraged. Be revived individually. And should we see something that looks indeed like a magnificent pouring out of the Spirit, which he most certainly can do when he chooses, not scheduled, it can't be manufactured, it must be something that he does. And remember, it's typically the saving of souls because the gospel is being proclaimed so clearly. And then the revival goes out as opposed to people driving and flying in. Well, we'll rejoice in that. But be careful that you, you aren't looking for, ah, I, I need something to put the jumper cables on my heart and get me going. You don't need to look any further than your Bible and your local church. And that should enthuse you. That should revive you. That should encourage you. And should God choose to do a big revival, then we'll let Joel Beakey... You thought I forgot, didn't you? Then we will let Joel Beakey tell us the six signs of revival next on Wretched. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared 
among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on Wretched Radio today. And don't forget to mark it in your calendar to look for on Saturdays, the brand new Transform podcast hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford. You can hear it at transform.org slash podcast or anywhere podcasts are heard. In the Transform podcast, Dr. Gifford takes a more in-depth approach to explaining issues that we're all facing and dealing with. What to do when you feel stuck? How are we to control our tongue and communicate with one another? These are things that Dr. Gifford teaches in depth on the Transform podcast. And you can hear new episodes Saturday mornings at transform.org slash podcast or again, anywhere podcasts are heard. And it's all made possible by the support of our gospel partners just like every resource that we're able to provide here at gospel partners media and if you're not already a gospel partner can i urge you to head over to wretched.org slash donate to get the answers that you're likely looking for wretched amazing grace amazing gospel cool very cool the tomorrow clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home, parents get saved, and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and Eastern Europe? TomorrowClubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1456. Johann Gutenberg produces the first printed Bible, and its press becomes a means for dissemination of new ideas and catalyzing changes in politics and theology. Without the printing press, the Reformation may have looked very different. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yes, yes, I am. This is Wretched Radio. There's an individual reviving that the Lord does in the heart of the individual Christian, but there can indeed be a big old outpouring, a general revival where dead souls are awakened. They are brought to life and they take this good news. They bring it to others and their lives are changed, which is why... If you've been wondering what has been happening in Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky at the university where they are claiming to have a revival, I think time will tell what is happening there. That's ultimately the test. And so I can be patient. I can just sit back and wait and see because we should be seeing signs of revival, not just during, but after. Joel Beakey, he is a theologian. He is an historian. He is a scholar. His systematic theology 
Ooh, it's a, it's a beauty, especially if you're a Presbyterian. You're going to love all of the covenant business inside of it because, well, he's a Presbyterian, and that's what Joel Beakey does. He's giving six signs of revival. Now, you can ask, is this going on at Asbury or not? Mm, but this won't be the last time we hear of such a thing. It won't because we, we see little mini revivals regularly in my estimation. Uh, they're called Hillsong and Bethel concerts. That's that's what that's what they do there. They get the kids worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. And is there any preaching or teaching? No, there's there's not. Now they maybe talk about some things, but there's no preaching, which is the centerpiece of revival. So let's use Presbyterian Joel Beakey's six signs of a genuine revival. Take it away, Joel. Well, Mark number one is that. Such a revival is always, always the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's instructive for us. God determines the time. God determines the location. God determines how long. Now, what are we seeing at Asbury? There are some rumors that perhaps they've been planning this revival because they have had several revivals historically. And according to Jimmy, oh boy. <laughs> That's our source. You? Yes. Uh, that the revival they're talking about, hey, we're, we got to wrap this thing up pretty soon. Kids have got to get back to school. Mm -hmm. If it's a sovereign work of God, does it get scheduled by the professors and those in the admin building? But Mark number two in revival, Acts 2 Pentecostal revival, is that revival is preceded by a remarkable effusion of prayer. That's a great note, isn't it? I got to tell you, I was convicted by somebody. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I was listening to a sermon on the Christian's engagement in government. Imagine that. I was listening to that. That is the big subject du jour, this revival thing. It's going to come and go. The debate about church-state relationships, um, it is going to continue being a conversation. And this particular fellow, ooh, it was a little bit convicting. He asked the question, for every moment that you complain about politicians, which you're not commanded to do, we're actually commanded to honor and submit to them, how many minutes do you pray for them? Oh, oh, that hurt. That hurt a lot right there because it's so easy to bellyache and watch the latest video about the dopiness that is going on. Oh, what? <laughs> Tucker Carlson, man, he's a good writer and he's, he's, just, he's just gotten so good at presenting. And he's talking about a new piece of legis... Well, it's not a legislation. We don't do that anymore. Apparently, the president basically said diversity, inclusion, equality, everything that is in government now is going to be based on your intersections, not on your skills, but on your intersections. Can there be anything less trite? Well, why did you hire that guy? Well, his fingernails grow really long. You'd go, well, what does that have to do with doing the job? It doesn't, but we're judging by externals. And I listen to this and I have to confess once again, because I don't, I don't consume a whole lot of political talk. And as funny as he was, it was so agitating. 
And it we we just kind of shut it down because we could have spent the next 10 hours talking about, ah, this is just Romans 1 and look at the depravity and it's just getting dopier and dopier and dopier and I can get agitated, which I'm not commanded to do, but I am told to pray for those in authority. Ouch. A real revival. There's a whole lot of prayer going on. That's what we see, didn't we? Those that believed, gathered, praying like a nobody's business. That's when revival broke out. Sign number three. Mark number three. Revival usually begins in the church. Revival begins in the church with the reawakening and enlightening of those who've already been born again. Those are for so there's the individual I'm like, wow, I'm I'm really encouraged. Now remember that is a cognitive process. So revival begins on the inside. Mark number four. Remarkable, authentic revival and spiritual growth results from the spirit joining himself to the word of God. We heard a bit about that this morning. As well. Preaching, 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 preaching. Christianity does involve feelings, but how they're produced, that is the question. Alistair Begg, do you remember that classic clip of his? That's right. This is an impression of Alistair Begg. Who? Jimmy? Yes. I actually, this is not a joke. Well, it's going to be a joke. It's going to be a really bad one. So you might want to mute your microphone because you're going to overdrive it with the groan that comes from you. Okay. Yep. Sent uh, Alistair Begg an invitation to participate in something that we're doing here at Wretched. He hasn't answered me yet. You know what that means? What's that mean? He's begging the question. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Alistair Begg talks about feelings and worship. Worship isn't about feelings. Now, doesn't mean that they don't involve that, but that's not what the centerpiece of worship is. And then Mark number five, spirit work revival is honest with the souls of men for the call to repentance must be coupled with a rediscovery of truth. The call to repentance must be coupled with a rediscovery of of truth. Let's just focus on that R word for a moment. One of the historic signs of revival that we see, by the way, starting in Jonah, you do see other revivals, if you will, taking place. But remember, the, the, the book of Moses, it had been lost. We found it. What did they do? They got the harps and the lyres and they worshiped for 82 hours in a row. No, they stood all day listening to the word and it brought about repentance. Consider the Ninevites. They repented. You can, you can, that's, that's what revival is. The people that were assembled at Pentecost, whether Jew or Gentile converts, they repented of their beliefs about the Messiah. They repented of their sins. And then they went out, by the way, and they brought that good news elsewhere. But the repenting should be evident. And so regarding Asbury or any of these other associated universities where they are now apparently having similar breakouts. How's the repenting going on? How are, how are the kids doing with being revived in being obedient to doing their homework assignments, to how they treat one another? Sorry to bring it up, but how much pornography they're consuming. Don't be naive. It happens on Christian campuses. Plenty. 
It, it, it can happen, quite honestly, at Christian seminaries. How do I know that? Because it's happening with Christian pastors. Is the porn consumption rate going down? That would be the sign of a genuine revival. And that leads me to my sixth mark. Spirit work revival is always accompanied by saving faith. People get saved. What we're seeing at Asbury, you be the judge of it, time will reveal. The Christians are pouring in because they want to feel revival. The kids on the campus presumably have made a profession of faith. And I've, I've heard that there's been a story or two of some kids getting saved. Cool. But a revival, it's like, whoa, people are getting saved like a nobody's business. And it's spilling out into the town. Kentucky, there's revival going in the south. The whole south is getting. That's how revival tends to work. That's based on Pentecost. That is based on a revival that we see that is absolutely biblical, where thousands of souls were added to the church that day. What's going on in Asbury? I have no doubt that some kids are being encouraged. I'll even use the word revived in a sense. But if it's not predicated on the aforementioned marks, it's not going to have a lot of staying power. In fact, I read a commentary very interesting at not the bee, not the Babylon, Babylon, Babylonian bee. It was talking about how he went to university and these, these types of things would break out. And those people that he went to revival with, then they graduated. They didn't have the surrounding excitement. Bye-bye-bye. They were in sync. Backstreet Boys, they fell away because they weren't genuinely converted. What's going on in Kentucky? You be the judge. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. You might want to call us prophets around here. I don't think that's necessary, but something we did report not very long ago is actually taking place in Spain now, where they have decriminalized sexual relations with animals. One caveat, though, as long as there's no physical injury that requires a visit to the vet. And don't think pedophilia isn't very far behind. So the name we've mentioned here on Wretched a few times, Sam Smith, who had the satanic devil-worshipping type performance at the Grammys, well, he recently had this to say. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to be a fish, fish of them. What, like a fly fisherman? I'd, I'd, be a, I'd be any type of fish of them. He wants to be a fisher, them. That's it. That, that's all I wanted you to know. Sam Smith wants to be a fisher, them. Well, recently, the New York Times told its staffers that it will not tolerate their criticism of the paper after quite a few of them said that the paper wasn't woke enough on trans issues. <laughs> so the New York Times is hitting back against its own employees that they hired because they're woke. He <laughs> can't make it up. Well, a court recently in Mozambique, Africa, has denied bail for a pilot for the U.S.-based ministry Mission Aviation Fellowship and two volunteers who were arrested over four months ago on suspicion of supporting insurgent activity. Ryan Cower and the South African volunteers were denied bail earlier this month after they were arrested in November while loading supplies into an aircraft headed toward the Cabo Delgado province to help several church-run orphanages. 
And authorities in southeastern Sudan last week arrested a church leader for preaching to Muslims. The man was accused of inciting religious hatred and preaching to Muslims, though there is no law in Sudan against proclaiming one's faith. The arrest obviously violates religious rights and international treaties to which Sudan is a party to, and the arrest has been condemned for unethical behavior. And a Catholic who spent more than three years in a Pakistani jail on blasphemy charges had to pay an exorbitant amount of bail for his release earlier this month, which is just one example of gross injustices, according to his attorney. In Pakistan, the maximum amount for bail under their blasphemy laws is 500,000 rupees or 1,900 U.S. dollars. But a judge of the Lahore High Court on January 17th imposed an amount of 4 million rupees, which is 15,200 U.S. dollars. Christian persecution is on the uptick all over the globe, and as we tell you so frequently, nearly daily here at Wretched, please, please continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible God called the prophet Jonah to preach repentance in Nineveh. Jonah fled, but he could not outrun God. He was cast into the sea and swallowed by a great fish. Jonah repented, and God spared him. Jonah then preached in Nineveh, and they repented. God is compassionate and merciful, and he is calling men from all nations to repentance. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You're going to think we planned this, Friel? No, we're not. Verse 1 of chapter 5, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. This is Wretched Radio. That is Alistair Begg, uh, the little sermonette snippet. Friel, it's either a sermonette or it's a snippet, but it can't be both because that would be redundant and repetitive and saying the same thing over and over again one more time. Alistair Begg, 2 Corinthians 5. We know he's talking about remembering the invisible, not the stuff we see, but the stuff that is eternal. That's where our focus should be. If, if we cite some sort of outpouring of the Spirit that meets the biblical criteria, we can be encouraged by that. We can rejoice in that. But the normative means of God keeping us steady not like an EKG, not like the stock market, which actually these days is pretty much always aiming downward. It's 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 a stable sort of affair. And on occasion, you're going to hear something you will worship and singing worship because Jimmy will tag me on it. If I don't qualify exactly what worship is. Thank you. You're welcome. That's that's groovy. But the normative pattern for the believer is you're just steady, Eddie. You're just grinding along. Now, you want to be encouraged. This might not give you a buzz, but this will encourage you. Let's just say you've been in the faith for a bit. You have been walking with the Lord. You've been faithfully reading the word. You're a member of a local church. But that internal fire, it seems, it seems to have dimmed a bit. And you'd like it kindled. Well, before you conclude that your fire is being extinguished or almost out? Have you been persevering? 
Are you still reading it? You're not as excited as you were, but you'd love to read it more. Remember, this is the way that we should be asking the question about our sanctification. Not, it's not that we don't ask, are we progressing? But do I want to progress? Is it my desire to read more? Yes, yes, it is. That, that, that gives you assurance. And as you go about the business of being obedient, you still love your spouse. You serve your spouse. You love your kids. You're teaching them about Jesus. Even if you're not, I'll just use a, the vernacular of the peasantry, you're not buzzed. That should encourage you because you're persevering. No, it's not like, woohoo, like perhaps it once was. That is so unsustainable. And that is why all of these concerts and events that are intended to whip the kids up, it's like, ugh. You're just setting them up for failure, like long-term deconstructing failure because they're under the impression, I got, I got to get whipped up. If I am not feeling this super high, it's, it's like a drug that we're feeding the kids. And then and they, they go through withdrawals and then they think, well, I guess I don't love God because I don't stand for four hours during the hypnotizing music with my eyes closed. And feel all excited. Well, not during intermission, because that's about a half an hour long, and they've got some good stuff for sale out in the lobby, and we've got to use the restrooms. But otherwise, I go to that thing, and I'm just entranced. But then I leave, and that goes away. It's because that's not God's means for making sure that we don't lose heart. Consider going backwards, always good before you jump into a sermon like Alistair Begg, who is talking about not losing heart, that, that, that we understand what it means really to worship. you got to go backwards. So this is 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Okay, so he was talking about not losing heart earlier, that, 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 that we are supposed to be those who are conquerors. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What is that renewing? Is it, ho, 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 yeah, baby, I'm safe. No, not that. He's keeping you steady. He's keeping you firm. And this should encourage you. It should keep you from losing heart. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working out for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Aha. So the focus is on up, not inward, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, they're temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. By the way, you might need that word today if you are really distraught over the state of the nation. And maybe you'd you weren't as enthusiastic as the president of the, at the State of the Union address. And aren't you supposed to put the State of the Union at the beginning? He kept it to the very end. And then, sorry, the audacity to go, yeah, the debt, it's exploded and inflation is terrible. And then the shipping lines, everything is a debt. Look out for those balloons. We don't know for sure what they are. But because... American people are strong. The state of the nation is strong. I do not think that word means what you think it means. If you're feeling like, oh, this is another reminder, and you will find them woven throughout the tapestry of Scripture. Look up. Look up. This is what Isaiah did. Just sent out a newsletter on this. 
in the year King Uzziah died. Why do we need that nugget? It is because we understand what's going through the minds of the people, what the people are feeling. Whoa, this guy has reigned for 52 years, and it has been a glorious reign. You could easily argue that it was under Uzziah that Israel experienced the greatest levels of prosperity. And he's about to die. It appears that Isaiah was writing this before he died rather than afterwards. But nevertheless, same point. People are in a panic. And what does Isaiah do? Look up. Look up. See a vision of God calmly seated on his throne. Not in a panic. If you're troubled because of what's going on around you, all of the the Romans 1 insanity, which is what it is, look up. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't ever do things here. That's ridiculous. But to not be troubled, look up. Look at the things that are eternal. Your general is not having a meeting with the other generals to determine what's the next play. How do we get out of this situation? America is crumbling. Anybody got any ideas? Jesus isn't in a panic. This is his plan. And you might be thinking, well, hold on a second. It's my kids. I don't want my kids to live in this world. That might be, but apparently that's not God's desire. We have a tendency. I know the feeling. I'm a parent. I'd I'd rather go through the tough stuff than my kid. And after all, isn't that what helicopter parenting is all about these days? I'd rather go through that. And I feel that, but apparently as things continue to devolve, and they are, and they're going to, because we're not going to get people to accept Christian morals unless they are Christians themselves, apparently God wants my kid to be in a worse season than what we're going through. You got to grasp that. You go, no, but but there's, I still sniff them. They're just my little babies. They're, they're, yep. And this is their time. God has predetermined, this is when I want them born for such a time as this. Your kid is Esther, and it is under control. And this is when God wanted your child to be born. This is when you were supposed to be born. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Now, we're aware of this. I, I get it. It's, it's not an either-or proposition, but the scale is tipped towards staring at eternal things. The verse continues, for we know that if our earthly temple, tabernacle, this tent is destroyed. Hey, look at how that word in 2 Corinthians from Paul, how it echoes what Peter said in 1 Peter 2, that you are a temple of God. And your kid, if God saves them, they're going to be a temple too. And God is fully aware of those that he inhabits. And in, with, in whom they, he dwells, they're, they're not going to be lost in the shuffle, nor are you. For we know that if our earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Remember the context. We aren't losing heart. How do you not lose heart? How do you stay revived in that you're just consistently encouraged? You're not whoop-de-doo, but you're just consistently encouraged. You're thinking about eternal things. That's what Peter did in 1 Peter 2. Think about eternal things. This is, this is about more than what is going on here. You want to you do something that will encourage you? Go read Isaiah 40. 
And just take a look and see how distinct God is from government in that. They come, they go. He's reigning soundly, authoritatively, perfectly, not just careening out of control because government, they're just, I know they're a big deal to us. I get that. I'm not trying to minimize that perspective. But from his perspective, if I could quote the Hebrew, (laughs) (laughs) nation, (laughs) our God is in the heavens and he is doing exactly as he pleases. And you don't need to panic if you are staring at him as he dwells in you a temple. This is Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? How many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org Bible. There's a reason we talk so much about biblical counseling around here. It's because it works. Transformed, our biblical counseling series, hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson, has returned for season number two. As a matter of fact, you can find it available now at transformed.org. Transform season two demonstrates powerfully that the Bible has solutions for our emotional problems. Doctors Johnson and Gifford don't merely teach biblical counseling, they show biblical counseling in action. In season two, you'll meet Christians that are struggling with the same things you likely are. Assurance, PTSD, anger issues, depression, discontentment, anxiety, self-pity, and much more. And you'll see with your own eyes that the Bible is sufficient for all of life, godliness, and our emotional challenges. Transformed Season 2. Available now at transformed.org. That's transformed.org. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Go. 
God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is exhortation, the spiritual ability to encourage, comfort, and admonish God's people. Whether God's people are oppressed, confused, or in error, God has provided the gift of exhortation to comfort, urge, and correct them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Permit me to answer the question that you've been asking, yes. Yes, I am going to play the Alistair Beck clip. This is Wretched Radio, 2 Corinthians 5. Your external temple can be wasting away, but never forget, the eternal God is dwelling within your temple. Therefore, you do not lose heart. Verse 1 of chapter 5, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. We know, we know. The Christian faith uh, engages our minds. This is something that we have to keep reminding ourselves of so that we don't allow our minds to fossilize and that we continue to be sharpened and to make progress. I was at a church in California just a few weeks ago now, Here back we in go. August, I think it was, time flies. And I went there, I had a Sunday free, and I was staying with friends, and I went down to the church, and I was excited because I get to go now, and I don't have to do anything at all except do whatever they tell me to do. And so I sat there, and I waited for it to begin. And it was quite fascinating, actually. They had big screens, and they had a clock on the screens. And when I got in, it said five minutes and I'd only been in about two seconds, and you won't be surprised, it said four minutes and 58 seconds. And uh, then it counted down, and eventually when it's counted down, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and just right on the moment of time, the band began, and, and I was waiting for David Letterman at that point. Anybody, I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know what was going to happen next. And then, and then eventually the band did what it did, and then the, the person who was to lead the, the praise, his opening gambit, was this. Hey, how do y'all feel yep. this morning? Classic. Well, that was enough for me. I was ready. I, we could have had the benediction right there. That was so good. <laughs> I thought, what kind of New Testament question is that? How do you all feel this morning? If I told you how I feel, especially in light of the last five minutes, you would question my, whether I was even a Christian at all. So don't ask me that question. <laughs> ask me what I know. Ask me what I know. Don't ask me what I feel about myself. Ask me what I know about God. Ask me what I know about his word. Ask me what I know to be a verity that can deal with my soul. That's what I need. Don't make me sing songs about how I feel. Don't. The silly, repetitive songs again and again. I just want to praise you. Lift my hands and say I love you. You are everything to me. Goodness, at half past eight on a Sunday morning, I'm barely ambulatory. I can't start there. And you want me to say that? I just kicked the dog and I don't even have a dog. I, I, I got argued with someone because they took my parking space. I never had spilled my coffee. I didn't read my Bible. I'm a miserable wretch. And now you want me to start here. How do you feel? I feel rotten. That's how I feel. What do you got for me? The answer, nothing. I got nothing for you. That's why you have to get yourself under the control of the scriptures. That's why it is what we know, the verities of the scriptures, which then fuel our hearts and our emotions and lead us on. 
Hence, praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like thee his praise should sing? Okay, now we've got something to sing about. For we've been reminded of truth. You've been ransomed. You've been healed. You've been restored. You've been forgiven. You're looking away from yourself. Now you're looking out unto Christ. And it is in this that we have something that fuels our praise. That is Alistair Begg getting as close to being whipped up. <laughs> Jimmy, I'm getting the distinct sense he was not a fan of the worship service that he went to. I don't think so. It was emotions driven. And we see that so much. No wonder why so many people are anxious. And I think there could be a reasonable correlation here. The churches that focus the least on the correct exegeting of Scripture, and they focus more on worship and mood setting, are also the ones who are more inclined to be dominionists, to feel like we got to do stuff to make sure that these people stop behaving so wickedly. Instead of turning their eyes to heaven, knowing that God is under control, thinking about eternal things, then engaging temporally. Because we remember when a society is devolving, when persecution is knocking on the door, persecution is evangelistic. That is what First Peter is all about. You are feeling trouble. It is painful. It is difficult. Watch your behavior. Grounded in the knowledge of all the things that Christ has done for us. Now you, you're a temple. The living God is dwelling in you individually and collectively in a mighty manifestation of God's presence on this planet through you and me. Whoa. Now respond well. Live in your dynamic well. Submit to your government. Submit to your bad boss. Submit even when you've got a husband who's not a believer, which has some implications. Because how you respond underneath these sort of societal and marital and familial pressures is evangelistic that they might see it and ask about the hope that lies within you. And this is what is going on in 2 Corinthians 5. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope in these things. Don't let your heart be troubled. We do not lose heart. Now, here's 2 Corinthians 5, where we know that our earthly house, this tent, tabernacle, it's destroyed. We've got a building from God. So don't worry. You're going to go to heaven. Now, let's not become Quakers. Let's not become Amish. Separate from the world and feel like everything in the world is just to be shunned. No, we, we live in this world, and let's not pretend that pain isn't, you know, painful. And let's not eschew, Gesundheit, eschew medical treatments. That's not what Paul is after. He's he's begging and pleading with you to not lose heart by having perspective. If you're if your temporal temple, this this one right now, if it gets corrupted. If it breaks down, you got a temple waiting for you in heaven. You're going to be dwelling with God. Don't lose heart. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, 
being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. In other words, the groaning is it's a longing for heaven that we might be clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You're right where you're supposed to be, Christian. And so are your kids. And so are your grandkids. Don't panic. He's got this. The trains in God's economy always run on time. In other words, God isn't like Italy or Spain, who, by the way, this is really cool. Spain passes law allowing people to freely change gender from age 16. (sighs) Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. God was fully aware of what Spain was going to do. Is he pleased with it? Not a chance. Is he in a panic about it? No. And you shouldn't be either. He's got this. Every... If you, if you don't think that God is somehow going to pull all of this off, a la Revelation, that, that he's going to succeed in ruling and reigning on this renewed, restored planet forever and ever and ever again, consider the cross at just the right time. Every single thing that happened on this planet prior to the cross was orchestrated so that at just the right time, Jesus died for us. He could handle that. I don't know. Well, what's going on in our country and in the universities? Oh, and our government, these crazy Democrats. I don't know. Should be in a panic. I don't know that God's got this. He's got it. Don't be in a panic. Continues. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith. Not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We can be confident. This is the way that God wants it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be. Does that mean I like it? No. When evil men have sway, I've read a couple of commentaries on that ridiculous, was it the Grammy Awards where Sam, Sam, Sam Smith? I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, dressed up like a devil. He's singing in a cage with flames coming, and it's just as perverted and all. Oh. Yeah, we're kind of bored. You don't you don't shock anymore. You, you, it's when when the pride flag becomes a logo that corporations use to sell bags of Doritos, sin has become mainstream. <laughs> shock is now the norm. You want to be shocking, Christian? Be calm. Be holy. Be set apart. And be confident that God has this. That is countercultural. And that is what we are commanded to do so that we might have shalom. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.